The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 week scan. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. Yeah, if you were up early this morning, you were treated to an absolute classic in Melbourne at the Australian Open Tennis. Andy Murray, in many ways, rolling back the clock with probably his best performance since his hip surgery back in 2017. It was a five-setter that went on hour after hour against Mario Berrettini, one of the beaten semi-finalists from last year. And Andy Murray coming out on top after that five-set thriller to qualify for the second round at the Australian Open. Delighted to say that Molly McElwee is with us now to have a look back on what was, I think, uh, an instant classic from Andy Murray. You're writing about in The Telegraph, Molly, ingredients of a typical Andy Murray classic is the headline and why we should savour them. Because the, the clock is ticking on Andy Murray's career, but this morning we saw Andy Murray play some of his best tennis in quite some time. Yeah, you're right. Thank you for having me on. You're right. It was, I think, his best result since probably 2017 and had the makings of, of a classic and had had everything that, that that you could expect to have in a Andy Murray kind of thriller. He had the roller coaster ride where he was up, he was down, and he was obviously up two sets at the beginning and then suddenly things turned and uh, he was pushed to five in the end and a dramatic tie break in the final set as well. Um, we had him putting his body on the line, which I think he's now known for, I guess, in, in that he's competing with a metal hip, which no player has done at the top this top level before. Um, and he was still throwing himself around the court, diving volleys, nearly running into the umpire's chair. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a winter saver for him. But I think his um, those the impression for for everyone else is that he's kind of on on the on a on a kind of on the clock. I guess he's thirty five and at the last stages of his career. I'm sure this win will really invigorate him and 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 uh, prove to, to to everyone. I guess that he was right to keep going over all the years. Yeah, because the magnitude of this victory, I remember 2019 when he was at the Rod Laver Arena, he was leaving in tears and clearly his comeback from his injury was frustrating him. His fitness at the time was concerning him. Today we saw he still had the lungs, he still had the drive and the desire to beat a player who's just outside the top 10 in the world. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, looking back on that 2019 Aussie Open for him, was it's mad to think that he was basically retired by the organisers on the court. They were playing kind of a montage of his best bits and had all these um, major players kind of talking about what an incredible player he was, as if he, he was kind of on his way out. It's four years on and he's back and he's getting a win like that, like you say, against a player like Berrettini, who who was a semi-finalist here last in Oz last year. And he also beat Murray at the US Open only a few months ago, quite comprehensively, really. I mean, Murray competed in the way he always does, but he was always kind of off the pace with Berrettini. And he, after that loss, he kind of spoke a little bit about where he felt his fitness might not have been, where it could be, things that he could improve. And he spent the off-season, he spent a few weeks in Florida with Ivan Lendl, his coach, really kind of living almost a, a, a kind of full-on, living on a tennis diet, I guess, for three weeks where he just was completely focused on eating right, and training non-stop and I think he spoke about that after the match today about how important that was to kind of make him feel like he can compete with the best again and 
yeah, we saw it on, on the court. And in my opinion, that is the challenge that he has to face at this stage, is that recovery. He said himself he's probably going to have a, a quiet night tonight in Melbourne, go back out, hit a few balls tomorrow, but it's all about recovery uh, before Thursday for him. Because at 35, and with everything he's endured with his injuries, the question is, can he play two very difficult matches in such short succession? Maybe helped a little bit by the roof being closed and he didn't have to play in the searing heat of some of the outside courts, at least today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the recovery will be tricky, but like you say, he's got all, all day tomorrow. And actually, because of the heat today, which caused major delays, his opponent come Thursday um, will will be either Fabio Fognini or Tanafi Kokinakis. And they actually weren't able to finish their match today. Um, so we'll have to play tomorrow Um if that makes sense. So they're going to have a lot less recovery time and um, that could end up working in Murray's favour, bizarrely, after having a five-hour match um, today. He could be the in the best kind of physical shape of of, of the two in his match come Thursday. Um, but yeah, a huge advantage to play under the roof as well um, today because the heat was apparently... A complete nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess for the organisers in two ways. You had the heat affecting some of the courts for about three or four hours. Understandably, I think the temperature had gone above 35 degrees Celsius in the kind of midday heat uh, earlier today. And then there was a bit of rain, which caused delay in some of the matches too. So there's quite a backlog of matches that are still being pushed through to tomorrow now. Yeah, a huge backlog. It was interesting because a few players even spoke about not realising that the, those that, that kind of rule had been put in place uh, regarding the heat that it they the Aussie Open have this kind of um, uh, I'm not sure what to call it. I think it was kind of a, a stress scale, a heat stress scale. So it factored in heat, humidity, wind, all the conditions, and it reached its limit of five today, and that's why the play was completely cut off for, for three hours, which I think is sensible because I mean in previous years we've had like even Novak Djokovic, one of the fittest men in the history of tennis saying that he was at his physical limit playing in 40 degree heat. So it seems sensible to kind of make that stop, but it's going to be a nightmare for for for, for the order of play tomorrow. It's going to be a long day um, as they try to catch up. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but um, Dan Evans, uh, British number two, he actually spoke about what he did during his three-hour break from his match when his match was cut off. And he said he watched uh, a Roy Keane interview with Tommy Keenan <laughs> on YouTube on YouTube from last week, which, yeah, which was quite funny. And he said he, he was kind of relaxing while he took a three-hour break from his match. I don't know if every player would, would be as relaxed as that while they kind of thought about all of the things they could have been doing and could have done better in, in the previous hour or two. But, yeah, he was pretty chilled. Uh, watching some Roy Keane insights from not last a, week. Not a bad way to fill 38 minutes. I think we spent about 40 minutes talking about it on the show for a 38-minute interview. So I hope Dan Evans got as much from the interview as uh, we did here on the show last week. Um, he could have done worse than watching Andy Murray's match back if he could because I think for many of us who got up, I was up with the morning coffee this morning. I was surprised the match was still on when I got up this morning and the match was going into the deciding set and then we went into a tiebreaker. Inside the tiebreaker, I'll admit I was a little bit emotionally attached to see if Murray was going to come through. I thought he looked very comfortable when he was six points to one up within the tiebreak and then he has to uh, see off a little bit of a fight back and he had a little bit of luck with the ball taking I think it was fair to say a chunk of the net before it went over for what was the decisive point Yeah it was almost a bit of an anti-climax after all the drama for it to just um, yeah the ball kind of 
dipped over the net. Um, Berrettini had a bit of a laugh about it, at least. Uh, he saw the funny side, even though it was obviously probably heartbreaking for him after five hours of nearly five hours of battling it out. Um, that tie break, yeah, was it was it was very different to the tie break that they played in the fourth set as well, where Berrettini really felt like he was in control throughout that. Um, whereas Murray in the fifth set tie break, it was ten point tie break, so a bit longer, but he really, yeah. Um, Got, got an early lead which helped him and it was a brilliant response as well because he'd he just had to save a match point um, uh, in the previous couple of games um, where Berrettini really actually could have won that match he, he really botched that a backhand into the net and he, ultimately that was his best chance to win it so yeah a, a roller coaster really but the the, the match tie break at the end Murray really showed his kind of composure where maybe previously in the last few years he's he's felt the pressure a bit more and and not always performed at his best at the tight moments against the best players. Uh, two of the top men seeds uh, back for this tournament for different reasons. Alex Verov is back from injury and probably working himself back a little bit. In the case of Novak Djokovic, he wasn't able to play last year because he'd been deported from the country. Djokovic spoke quite extensively about it at the weekend and uh, maybe some of the good feeling he's had from Australians going into the tournament. He didn't have to spend all that long on court today. He only dropped seven games in the end, progressing in straight sets. So a very straightforward win for Djokovic. Yeah, very straightforward. And I mean, I think something that was in the early rounds for Djokovic, it's often hard to kind of work out exactly where where he's at because he's playing a kind of against lesser opponents maybe and not always challenged that much. Um, but maybe what I did take from this match more so was the reception he got from from the crowd. They were chanting his name. They were going mad for him. Um, when you consider that last year, obviously it was a complete mess and he got deported from the country and it, it feels like, yeah, it's, it's been a long 12 months to, to go from, from most hated man in Australia to the guy getting kind of a huge applause as he took to, to the court. Um, but yeah, he, he wasn't troubled much. And I think that's, uh, he, he must have been pretty pleased about that also because he's been managing a hamstring injury going into this. He's not been training kind of as consistently as he wanted to. Um, had to kind of pause a couple of training sessions. Um, he had a training session with Daniel Medvedev on uh, late last week and he had to he had to cancel it well he had to kind of stop it midway and um yeah to see him kind of be so dominant today um was really positive signs for him and he it i think if he's if he's fit it would be hard to beat him yeah i'd agree i mean his pursuit now is for a 22nd grand slam win and given his fantastic record which he's had in Melbourne before, given maybe the stuttering of some of his rivals coming into this tournament as well there is definitely that feeling that Djokovic hits his top gear, Djokovic is going to be incredibly difficult to beat her. Oh, definitely. I think um, even Rafael Nadal, even though he's obviously the the, the reigning champion, he, he's not looked at his best um, over the last couple of months. I mean, his, he won his first match um, in the first round against Jack Draper, and he, he did so. He, he did so though, not really playing at his best. And I think was helped by the fact Draper got was kind of injured <laughs> and struggling with cramp. So I think. Looking at his form, I, I wouldn't say he'd threaten Djokovic as long as Djokovic is fit. Um, you've also got Nick Kyrgios pulling out. Um, I think he was seen as a, a real contender, as a home favourite, I guess, in, in Australia. And we saw what he could do. Um, 
at Wimbledon last year where he he reached the final um I think he he he, he would have been interesting if he would have been fit to play um and yeah it's it, it, Medvedev is is looked looked great when he played yesterday in his first round win but he's also it also feels like he's not got that air of invincibility that I think he used to have so um yeah I, I think Djokovic is is the the, the clear favorite but by miles basically as long as he's fit that's 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 going to be the test yeah um Alex Verev coming through uh, took five sets in the end against Juan Pablo Varias to come through again he's probably feeling some of the effect after that ankle surgery which he had last summer after the French Open semi-finals Andrew Rublev is also into round two he beat Dominic Thiem in what was a an interesting first round match but Thiem probably again uh, because of injury not quite a top form just yet on the women's side the draw on support came through the uh, second seed in the end uh, but she said she was a little bit disappointed with her performance she, she called it a bit wobbly afterwards yeah, she did. I think she was definitely. She, she's very honest. I think after after matches, she she goes to kind of all the steps and thinks about her performance um, in a really kind of open way. With uh, when she's asked questions, both on court but also um, I've noticed in press conferences with her. So yeah, she was very clear that she wasn't kind of up to where she wanted to be, and she had to kind of bring herself back into the moment and be like, "You're the world number two. Like, get on with it. You've got to get past this." Um, but that's kind of refreshing. I, I think I think she she she's she's still a, a big a big threat in in Australia. She, she she's one of the contenders for sure. Um, but she she she's still kind of seen as second best to to Iga Swiatek, I guess. In in the in that she's not been able to kind of take that step in the biggest moments of her career, including at Wimbledon. Um, last year so um yeah it would be interesting to see how how the tournament kind of maps out for her um depending on her draw as well the, the, the women's game is just so deep and there's so many upsets all the time it's hard to kind of definitely harder to predict mm. it's difficult like it's difficult psychologically for Jabour if she comes up against Shivantek further on because as you mentioned the record when they've met in slams but maybe the way that Jabour looks at this got to two slam finals last year has never been beyond the quarterfinals in Melbourne so far but still if you take the experience that was banked up over the last 12 months that has to be meaningful for her as she goes on throughout her career here Totally. And I think um, she's she's also come into her own as kind of a, a, a advocate for women's tennis as well. She's You can tell that confidence she has as kind of a leader on the tour now in the way she talks about kind of women's issues in general. Um, and that's translated on the court. I think it comes like, it comes in, on both sides as she's gaining confidence on the court, getting those results last year, which was her breakthrough year, really. Um She's she's kind of taken that leadership role, which is really great to see because I think she's a great um, uh, she's a great player to kind of lead on the on the on the women's game. Um, her, her, I, I I think it, it might take a bit of time um, still this year, but she's got to kind of I guess she's got to kind of forget about the disappointments of last year and think about the highs, like you say, um, as she kind of progresses in Melbourne. And just on the phone, I can ask you about Emma Raducanu because this is a thrilling potential uh, match coming up now in the second round where you've got Coco Goff who's coming as the seventh seed against Raducanu who has shown at Grand Slams before when she hits top level, she's incredibly good. Um, that could be a real standout match coming up now in the second round. Totally. I mean, that's the pick of the second round by a mile, I think. she That, that match is going to be I, I think it's the first match in the night session um, tomorrow so it would be kind of early doors about seven or eight o'clock in the morning our time and um, 
I think it's going to be brilliant. Like you say, Anakanya has proven that she can obviously win a Grand Slam before. But last year was tricky for her. She struggled with injuries. She struggled with a lot of upheaval in her coaching team. Um, and even the build-up to this tournament hasn't been ideal. She she obviously rolled her ankle last week um, in Auckland and uh, just over a week ago in Auckland. And that really disrupted what had been a brilliant kind of off-season for her. Um, but her first round match, she looked comfortable and um, it wasn't a serious injury. So hopefully she can be at full fitness to kind of really compete and just have a free hit against Coco Goff because even though they're similar age, actually Goff is younger than, than Radicanu. She's, um, yeah, she's about a year and a half younger than her. She is by far the favourite, I think, going into this match. She's she's um, seeded seventh, I think. And she is just kind of more she's had more time to develop on tour she it's it's easy to forget that she's still so young because she broke through age 15 16 so um i think that match is going to be one to watch um i i'd, I'd pick goff as a favorite but um Rankanu might enjoy having less pressure on her shoulders as she's facing someone who um, is more established and also has performed to prove it. Goff won in won the Auckland tournament last week, so she's definitely um, coming in with confidence and with a lot of wins under her belt at this stage of uh, early stage of the season. Yeah, real potential cracker tomorrow. Of course, you can read uh, Molly in the Telegraph across the Australian Open uh, writing today about Andy Murray's fantastic victory against uh, Berrettini. Molly, thanks a million for joining us here on Off the Ball. Thanks so much for having me.